It's an honor and privilege to be here tonight to share out of God's Word. And I want to start this message with a little story. It says this, A man was being tailgated by a stressed out crazy woman on a busy street. Suddenly the light turned yellow just in front of him. He did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have gave it the gas and accelerated through the intersection. The tailgating woman was furious and honked her horn, screaming. She's yelling because she missed her chance to get through the intersection, and she dropped her cell phone and dropped her makeup. She was still yelling and heard a tap on the window. She looked up to face a very serious police officer. The officer ordered her to exit the car and put her hands up. He took her to the police station where they searched, fingerprinted, and photographed and placed her in a holding cell. After an hour, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door and escorted her back to booking where the arresting officer was waiting to give her her personal effects. He said, I'm very sorry for the mistake. You see, I pulled behind you while you were blowing your horn, screaming, cussing a blue streak at the guy in front of you, and I noticed what would Jesus do bumper sticker. And then uh, the other sticker says, uh, choose life. And another sticker said, follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker. And then a chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. And naturally, I assume that you've stolen the car. So, so, you know, people expect certain things from a Christian, don't they? they? A certain way they act. And this police officer couldn't believe that this lady with all the Jesus stickers on her car would be acting the way she acted. What do people expect from a true Christian? Expect them to be good-natured, easygoing, patient, soft-spoken, polite, honest, hard-working, forgiving. Well, this lady was none of those things, was she? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and verse 23, it says, This is the fruit of the Spirit. When you have Jesus Christ in your life, this is some of the results. It says right here, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, If we live in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, a wise man can see danger coming, and he usually goes the other way, or he doesn't allow, get his mouth opened up. And this is a lot of wisdom here. 
Be, be ready to listen. And it says, be slow to speak. Be slow to open in your mouth and blurting out things. And be slow to anger. That will save you a lot of trouble in life. And in James chapter 1, verse 26 says this, If any man among you seems to be religious and brighteth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. So if you're out just blurting stuff, and you say you're a Christian, your religion is in vain. You're not really a Christian. You're not for real. Many people say they're a Christian, but you know, talk's cheap. Talk is cheap. Or 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is a powerful verse. This is one of my favorite verses. It has a lot of hope in it. It says, if man, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you have the Holy Spirit come into your life, He cleans up house. He gets rid of some of the old furniture. And you're changed. New furniture. You're that new creature. And when you become a Christian, sometimes you need to get rid of the old friends that you used to hang around. The ones that got you in trouble. When you become a Christian, you get rid of the drugs and the alcohol and all that. You change your life with the Holy Spirit living within you. It makes a difference. I told you how I changed. The Lord changed my heart, my priorities, everything about me. I know He's real because He lives within my heart. He changed my priorities. When you become a Christian, people should see a difference in you. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says this, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're raving wolves. Sometimes you see some of these television preachers. They wear the right clothes. They talk the right talk. But they aren't really living for Jesus. They're like what Jesus says here. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. A sheep looks pretty innocent. If a sheep walked in here, you wouldn't be too scared of it, would you? But if a wolf, a raving wolf, came in here with its fangs showing, you'd be a little scared, wouldn't you? Huh? And Jesus says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're raving wolves. Not everybody that says they're a Christian or a pastor is really the real thing. And it goes on. You shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes among thorns or figs among thistles? So every good tree produces forth good fruit, and a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. And it goes down in verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And this next verse talks about the big judgment day. Listen to what happens. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and cast out demons in thy name and done many wonderful works for you, Lord? And then will I profess unto them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work wickedness. So just because people think they're doing some good things doesn't mean they're a true Christian. Even the Lord said, I never knew you. Depart from me. And they never got right with Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. They are playing games with God. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, the Word of God says this. Jesus says this. When, when Jesus speaks, we need to listen. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust do corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moths or rust do corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. Listen to this verse. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, if all your treasures... It are in earthly things, your house, your car, your, your, your worldly possessions. If that's where all your treasures are, God says that, that's where your heart is. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But if you're preaching the Word of God, if you're telling people about Jesus, if you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where your treasures is, where moths or, or rust do not corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. That's their treasure forever. Everything you have down here on earth is temporary. But if you're building treasures in heaven, it's there when this old sinful body dies out. Because this body is just a holding place for your soul. And the Lord loves us so much, He gives us a choice while we're down here. Decide what we're going to do with this life down here. Because that dictates where we spend eternity. It's heaven or hell, no middle of the road. In James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Faith, if it has not works, it is dead being alone. And in James chapter 2, verse 26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. These verses aren't saying that good works get you to heaven. What this verse means, once you become a Christian, a result of being a Christian is your good works. See what I'm saying? You can help the old lady cross the street. You can help people doing this and that. That doesn't make you a Christian and doesn't merit heaven. But as a result of asking Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior with the Holy Spirit in you, there should be good works as that results of you being a true Christian. That's the difference. Good works doesn't save anybody. Jesus Christ does. If good works got you to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross for each and every one of us. It's only through Christ. The sinless, bloodless sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross. He loved us so much. Even when He's on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. That's love, isn't it? And in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says this, There is a way that seems right unto man, 
But the end thereof is the ways of death. Sometimes we think certain things, like I just explained, that good works might make you uh, eligible to heaven, that you're going to get there just through being good. And sometimes I see it on, on television. They uh, tell you to say this quick little prayer and you're going to go to heaven. Just say this prayer. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Amen. I'm not saying that won't save you. But what I'm saying, there's more to it than just saying a quick little prayer. There's a commitment to Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to follow You. I want You to be my Lord and Savior. I'm not going to follow my earthly, fleshly ways. I'm going to follow You. I'm going to live for You. You died for me. I'm going to live for You. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. There's a commitment. There's a change. It isn't just a cut, dry little prayer and live like you have all your life. There's an absolute change. And when you come to Christ, here's some of the change it should be, a result of being a Christian. The hunger for the Word of God. And also, you want to go to church. You want to have that bond with other Christians that you never had before. You can actually relate to other people because you're like-minded, Christ-minded. You desire to please God and follow God's rules, to follow God's the Bible because you want to, not because you have to. It's because you love the Lord. You know, you want to follow and do what's right, not because you're worried about God sending down a lightning bolt, bolt and chastising you. You want to follow the rules that the Lord puts out there because you love Him and you want to please Him. And you know the rules in this book are there because He cares. If you're a father here tonight, you have rules for your kids, don't you? Johnny, don't play in the street. Johnny, don't touch the stove when it's on. Do you tell them, them rules because you hate them? Huh? You tell them those rules because you love them. And that's why God has the Holy Bible. There's rules in there that He wants us to go by, not to hurt us, but to help us, to encourage us, to have a better life, a better fulfilled life. And Satan's out there, he says, ah, let's go partying. Let's do the drugs. Let's do the alcohol. Let's find a hooker. Let's do all this type of stuff. That's what Satan does. And he says, that's true happiness. But you know... Every time you follow Satan, it's a dead-end street. Absolutely. The Bible says sin is fun for a season, but you reap what you sow. Trust me, you reap what you sow. And when you come to Christ, you want to tell others about the Lord, the hope that's in you. That's why I'm here tonight. Because I care. I have that hope. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm good and kind. I'm none of those things. I'm forgiven. Jesus Christ paid the price for me, for my sins. And I have that hope. And I want to share it. And the more I get in the Word of God, the more I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and the more I'm bubbled over that i got to share it. It's like if I have a glass of water here and a big pitcher of water here. And I keep putting more in that glass. What happens when I keep pouring into that glass? 
It overflows, doesn't it? And when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like that. We're overflowing and it spreads. That love, that joy, that peace, that happiness, the gentleness, the self-control is contagious. And that's what should happen in a true Christian's life. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that's in you. Be ready. The Bible says that we're ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? It's a representative of Jesus Christ. A witness for Jesus Christ. We need to be that. And I heard the number one reason Christians don't witness to other people, the number one reason is because that Christian himself is living in sin, and that sin is hindering his walk and his witness, and he feels embarrassed to tell somebody else about Jesus when he isn't living like he should. That's the number one reason. And we got to remember, when we say we're a Christian, it's an awesome responsibility we represent Jesus. Awesome responsibility. How do you act when you say you're a Christian? How's your walk? How's your testimony as a Christian? What do people think of you? You know, anybody out there knows what a true Christian should be like and how they should act. Do people know that you're a Christian before you have to tell them? People you walk around, talk around, people you work with, people in here with you, do they know you're a Christian before you have to tell them? Can they tell by your walk? Because talk is cheap. And there's a saying, don't talk to talk if you don't walk to walk. Because you're turning more people away from Jesus Christ than you'll ever bring to Jesus Christ. They don't want to listen to you. I remember when, before I was a Christian, a guy at work, he had a Bible on his bench, and he, he talked about being a Christian. And he'd come and witness to me about Jesus. I'd listen to him a little bit until one day, he's over with another group of guys telling dirty jokes. I lost all respect for that man. Didn't want nothing, didn't want to hear a word he had to say anymore. So one time can ruin your testimony. It may take you years and years to build up your testimony for Jesus Christ. People seeing that you're walking the walk. One little slip up in two seconds can ruin that, that testimony you had for all them years in front of them people. Remember that. Guard your testimony. It's something you can't buy. It's something you earn over years and years of respect. Guard your testimony. Watch what you say, watch what you do, where you go says a lot about yourself. If I could watch you for a week, could spy on you for a week without you knowing it, and you're saying you're a Christian, if I was a fly on the wall, followed you for a whole week, after that week, and you knew what I seen, would you be proud of what you did that week? Or would you be ashamed of what you did that week? Would you be a stumbling block to other people for what you did that week? You know, I can't do that. I can't spy on you. 
<laughs> you know, the Lord sees all our actions 24-7. He's there. I remember at work, every once in a while, a guy will cuss around me. And some of them will say, sorry, Gary, I didn't, I didn't mean to cuss in front of you. And, you know, I really don't like people cussing, but I'm not to judge. I tell them, you know, hey, I'm not keeping track, but the Lord might be. huh? You don't have to answer to me. You don't have to apologize to me. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. It's saying stay away from all appearance of evil. Because that can ruin your testimony too. Just things that don't look quite right. I did work of a youth pastor for 16 years. And we had teenagers coming over our house. We fixed up our pole building with some pool tables in it where kids could, could just have a safe place to come instead of being on the streets. And there wasn't no fighting or cussing or anything. It was a safe place. We'd play volleyball there. We'd have a good time, have campfires, roast hot dogs, stuff like that. And uh, one evening, kids are coming to the house. And I remember some of the teenagers, they came with this, looked like a six-pack of beer, but it was root beer, okay? It looked just like beer. And they're smiling on their face, they're bringing that stuff up to the picnic table. And I, I'm shaking my head. Boys, boys. And I grabbed them aside and I said, you know, I know what you're trying to do, and it, it looks neat, it's, it's cool. But the Bible, I quote him that verse says, stay away from all appearance of evil. I told him, think of this. You're coming to my house, and I have a lot of other people dropping their kids off at the house, and they're leaving. What if they see this six-pack laying on the picnic table? What do they really think? Do they, do, do they really know it's root beer or not? What, what will my testimony be? What will the talk of the, of the youth group be? Or the parents be? You know, I was over at Gary's house, and I think I've seen beer on the picnic table. I think, I don't know. We may have to have a talk with that guy. But see what I'm saying? Just simple things like that can get things going. The Bible says stay away from all appearance of evil. And uh, I know Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord that have no problem with drinking beer. No problem at all. Uh, I love them, but I disagree with their opinion on drinking and being a Christian. That's my opinion. Uh, let's say you're a Christian and you're having a party at your house. You get the beer out. And... Uh, you give one of the people at your party a beer. That's their first beer they ever had. And maybe they become an alcoholic. You know, an alcoholic doesn't know he's an alcoholic till he starts drinking, does he? Huh? Anybody could be an alcoholic and not really know it. That that addiction's there. That potential's there until they start drinking. And as a Christian, do you want to be the one that gave them their first drink? Do you want to be the one that encouraged that young person to start that first drink and later found out it destroyed his life? 
He found out it, it made him violent, and, and he beat his wife and kids. He found out that he lost his job because of his drinking. He lost his house and his family because of his drinking. He killed somebody one day when he was drinking and driving. Found out he ended up in jail. Maybe found out he even committed suicide. How would you like that for the rest of your life? Being a Christian, have that responsibility. I know a guy named Doug I tried to help, alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic and shot himself. And here's Doug, a young man. He ends up being an alcoholic. Sad situations. Yeah, what you see on TV, the beer commercials, it's all fun and games. But you don't see the other side. And uh, mothers, alcoholic mothers that have children, they're at higher risk of uh, mental retardation with their kids. The kids are tend to see a higher risk of hyperactivities, poor coordination, eye trouble, bone weakness, learning disabilities, problems with their heart and their kidneys. I've seen kids living with an alcoholic mom or an alcoholic dad. It's a sad situation. It's a rough life for kids. Drinking alcohol loosens your inhibitions. Uh, keeps the restraints in your life from, from being there. More apt to sin. Keeps you from holding back some of the things you otherwise wouldn't have done. You might do something you normally wouldn't ever do when you're drunk. It's a price to pay. How would that help your Christian walk, handing out the beer? How would that help your testimony? How would that help your witness? In South Bend, not too long ago, a mother of three kids went out drinking with some friends. She ended up getting drunk, fell in St. Joe River, drowned, died. She was out 2 a.m. in the morning when she had three kids at home. What, what responsibility of that as a mother? She ends up dying. Where's her kids now? Another lady here, I think it was the Elkhart, Mishawaka area. She went out partying and got drunk, and she's riding home with a drunk driver. She sticks her head out the window to puke. And the guy's drunk driver sideswipes a telephone pole, smashes her head right, right into the telephone pole, kills her dead. <laughs> they don't tell you about that when they're uh, giving you beer, beer commercials, how fun it is. Drunk drivers kill a person every 50 seconds. Let's see what God's Word says about drinking. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, it says this, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby, thereby is not wise. Proverbs 21, verse 17 says, He that loveth wine or alcohol shall not be rich. Should a Christian be part of that? You know, I worked with alcoholics at work. Some of them got fired from their jobs. And another guy I met, he'd been having a lot of problems with alcohol. He came to our church one Sunday. 
He's half drunk. He looked pretty rough. And my heart went out to this guy named Doug. I tried to help him and go over his house. He'd call me 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, drunk as a skunk, and be crying on the phone, Gary, help me, help me. I tried to help him best I could. I bought him cassette or a CD player and took preaching CDs to him to let him listen to and he seemed to be doing better for a while and he just up and down. He just couldn't, he said that demon was inside of him and he couldn't fight it off. Every once in a while he'd show up at the hospital on his deathbed. His alcohol levels was right there, poisoning his body. And I got to the point, one day we thought we'd be nice to invite him to our house. It was his birthday. My wife made a birthday cake, bought a card for him and everything. He shows up three hours late drunk to our house. Why would a man do that? There came a point in time I told Doug I can't do it anymore. Told him his family's deserting him. Everybody knows he's deserting. I warned him a few times: if you don't straighten up, I'm going to stop coming. Because I can only do so much. There's a lot of other people I could help that would appreciate it. And there's even a verse in the Bible. I use it once in a while. The Bible says, "Don't throw pearls to swine. Don't waste your time, your energy, your finances on somebody who can't even help themselves." After a while. You just got to let them go. You can't spend your whole life on that. If you're an alcoholic here tonight, I'm telling you, you cause a lot of heartaches in a lot of people's lives. I probably don't even have to tell you that. You already know it. But there comes a point in time, people have enough of it. You reap what you sow. And that's why I say I have a problem with Christians and saying it's all right to drink. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, not to be a stumbling block to the weak. Are we helping the weak when we give them a beer? We need to be a light in this dark world. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how a Christian should walk. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with, with verse 22. Listen to this, powerful verses in the Word of God. That you put off concerning the former things, the, the, the old life, the old man which is corrupt and deceitful, and be renewed, be made new in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new man, which is after God, in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying and speaking every man the truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And be angry, but sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole, stole no, steal no more. But rather let him labor working his hands of the things which are good that he may have to give to him that really needs. He's saying here, you know, if you went out stealing for a living, it's time to start working for a living. 
and save enough money that you can help the needy. You can help those that are in need. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. No, no evil words, no cussing come out of your mouth. But that which is good to use of edifying, it builds up people. Minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, which you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as, as God has forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and has given Himself for us as an offering, a sacrifice unto God as a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as Christians. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting, but rather be giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man or an adulterer shall have any inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of obedience. Be not therefore partakers with them, for you were sometime in darkness, but now you are light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Stand for Christ. That's some good words. If you get in trouble and you wonder about your Christian walk, Go back to that, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 on. Powerful stuff. What about your mouth? What comes out of your mouth? In James chapter 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire can, tend, kindle, can kindle. And the tongue is a fire. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. The Lord's saying there shouldn't be blessing and cursing coming out of the mouth of the Christian. It should be the blessings. Other things should not be. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, as Christians... Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all the things that in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world shall pass away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Abides forever. And in John chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 or 4, it says, And he that propitiation for our sin, and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world, that's Jesus Christ. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Did you hear that? He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I have some questions for you. How is your work ethic? Are you a hard worker or are you lazy? How is your word? Are you a man of your word? Do you follow up and follow through with what you say? Are you honest or are you dishonest? When you sell a car, do you tell people what's really wrong with it or not? What do you watch on the TV and the internet? Is it good, wholesome things? Are you proud? Are you boastful? Are you a know-it-all? Or are you humble? Are people more important than things? Or are things more important than people? Does Jesus Christ get your quality time? Or does Jesus Christ get your leftovers? Will you stand for Jesus Christ even when it's not popular? Even when you're made fun of? Even when you could lose your job? Even when friends and relatives avoid you? Even when you're persecuted, hated? Even when it could mean you're put to death? Matthew chapter 5. Listen to this. This is what Jesus says. Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall curse you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil things falsely against you for my sake. He says, Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Blessed are you when you stand for Jesus and people make fun of you. You pay a price for it. Because you're building treasures in heaven. 1 John 3.13 says this, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. And in John... Chapter 15, it says this, verse 18 through 20. This is what Jesus says. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say unto you. The servant 
is not greater than the Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's what Jesus says. Stand. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall keep his life for the world will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for me will save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What does the world have to offer for your soul? Nothing. Because everything's temporary. But Jesus says here, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? It's like saying, hey, take up an electric chair and follow me. Huh? I ask you this. Are you a Christian tonight prepared to stand for Jesus Christ? Because it's an awesome responsibility. And being a Christian isn't for sissies. It takes a real man to take up his cross daily and follow me. It's where it separates the men from the boys. I'll tell you that right now. You need to be prayed up and filled up with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, starts out with verse 10, tells you about that. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, so you may be able to withstand the fiery darts of Satan. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in this evil day, having done all to stand. Put that full armor of God on. I'll tell you this, it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus someday. The trials and the tribulations you're doing. Because I read the back of the book. You know what the back of the book says? It says we win! Christians win! We're on the winning side when we have Jesus Christ. Revelations chapter 20, verse 11. Here talks about the great white throne judgment that's coming for everybody. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and other books were open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were all judged, every man according to their work. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You ever hear, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. You ever hear that? 
So if you're only born once, that means you're born to physical. Born. Okay? You're born physically. But if you're born again, that's asking Jesus Christ in your life. That's your second birth. And you only die once. The physical death. But if you're only born once, you die twice. You die the physical death and the spiritual death. Separation from God for all eternity. And that's where it says, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then it goes on. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared for the bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And listen to this verse. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are all passed away. Wow. Isn't that awesome? And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, The eyes have not seen, or ears heard, or can man comprehend that the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. We can't comprehend what God has in mind for us. Our minds are so minute compared to God's. It'd be kind of like compare a worm slithering on the ground in a parking lot goes up to a brand new Lincoln Town car and wonders what it is. Has no comprehension. No comprehension. We can't comprehend anything. And in Revelations chapter 22, verse 12, it says, And behold, I come quickly... And my reward is with me, to give to every man according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and they may have the right to the tree of life. Wow. Awesome stuff. I'm going to close with this story. And if you've heard me preach before, I always end with this story about the cats. And I tell this story because it has a lot of wisdom in it. I've talked to a lot of guys over 23 years coming here. And one thing that always sticks out, Gary, when I'm here in jail, I say I'm never coming back. I'm going to do good. And I'll never come back here. But I always end up coming back. What can I do to keep from ever coming back to this jail? And I tell them this story. It's a story about an old missionary. Back in the old cowboy and Indian days. It's before cars. And this old missionary rode on horseback from Indian village to Indian village with his Bible. He had a burden for the Indian people to tell them about Jesus. And one day he was talking to an old Indian chief. 
told him about Jesus. And that Indian chief came to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So the missionary, he packs up, he goes to other villages. Three months later, he comes back. He sees the old Indian chief by the campfire that night. And he sits beside him and he says, uh, Chief, how is it being a Christian? The chief says, You know, it's great. The load of sin I always had, that I always carried around, it's gone. It's lifted. And I have that peace that I've never had before that the Bible talks about. The peace that passes all understanding. I have that. And I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. It's great. But he says, there's two cats inside of me. And they fight. From the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed, they're always fighting. And the missionary says, what do you mean there's two cats inside of you? And the Indian chief says, well, one cat represents the flesh. The old things that always got me in trouble. The things that I always like to do. They're telling me one thing. Then there's the Holy Spirit represents the other cat. And it's telling me the exact opposite. It says, don't do this. Do this other thing. Do the good things. Do the right things. And they're always fighting. And the missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And this is the wisdom. The Indian chief says, the one I feed the most wins. If I feed the flesh, that's what's going to direct me. But if I feed the Holy Spirit, getting in the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, praying to the Lord, that's what directs me. The one I feed the most wins. The one you feed is the strongest one in your life. It's going to direct your life. So if you're feeding the flesh, you're going to be back in here. But if you feed up the Holy Spirit, it becomes stronger. It's like a weightlifter. I have a friend that's a professional bodybuilder. He's strong as an ox. Big, huge muscles. He's on the front cover of some of these magazines. And he has to pump up all the time. He has to eat every two hours the right foods. He works out like three times a day. He's dedicated to that. And we as Christians need to be that dedicated to the Word of God. To pump up spiritually. So we can withstand the fiery darts of Satan. Put on the full armor of God. And that will keep you out of this Cass County Jail. It will. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, guess how many cats you have in your life? you got one. It's the flesh. And that's what's directing your life. There's no way you can withstand the fiery darts of Satan through the flesh. You need Jesus Christ as your Lord. That second calf. I'm going to close with some Scripture. The Bible says the Word of God does not return void. I could have preached a whole bunch of fluff tonight and eliminated the Word of God, and it would have done no good. 
You heard a lot of Scripture, and I'm closing with Scripture, because that's where the power is, in the Word of God. John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do you receive a gift? You just take it, right? If somebody's going to give it to you, you receive it. You don't earn it. You receive it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I shared that earlier. It's a powerful verse. If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Awesome. God's will and goal in our lives is not always to make us happy. It's not always to make us healthy and not always to make us wealthy. But God's will and goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. That's the goal. Jesus fills the void that we try to fill with earthly things. We're hunting for happiness and all these worldly things and comes up with a dead-end street. Because the only thing that fits in here perfect, that void, that emptiness, is Jesus Christ. He fills that void. Amen. We're going to give an altar call here. And if you never ask Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, if He's knocking at the door tonight, it's time to get right because you're not guaranteed your next breath. Jesus Christ says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Is he knocking tonight? It's your choice. I know one night a guy came forward and he says it was rough coming up. I didn't know what people would think of me. But I decided to come up and I started to get up and the guy next to me grabbed me and says, sit down. But he said, I came up anyways. You know, Satan had his last tug. He didn't win out. Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 10.33. If you confess me before men... I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. You can't be a secret Christian. Jesus died openly for us. We need to live for Him openly. Jesus says, Come unto me, 
all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You need rest for the journey you've been on. This is the place. As we play this song, and the Lord's talking, come on up. I got these booklets called Knowing God Personally. We can say the sinner's prayer together up here. And you can leave here knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. And it's not what I'm saying. It's what the Word of God says.